Praise God and good morning and welcome to another Genesis 1 Christian Ministries podcast. And as always, before we get into the word of God today, let's spend some time just praising praising God and inviting his presence to be with us wherever it is that you might be listening to this. And as we listen to a song called I Exalt Thee by Terry McAlmond. What a precious anointing is in this house tonight. And it's all because of him.
Oh, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord God. We do exalt your name on high, Lord God. If only you are worthy to be glorified and exalted above all, Lord. For you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we praise your most magnificent name, Lord God. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to be able to be gathered here together. Even though while it may not be in person, Lord, the, the ability to be able to hear your word and gather together with despite not having a, a building, Lord, because we know that your word is not constrained by space or time, Lord God. So we thank you for being able to hear your word without fear of persecution, Lord God. I ask, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that the words that come forward are your words, Lord, and that they would be carried to anyone that is needing to hear these words, Lord, and that these words would get deeply planted within our spirits, Lord God, and that you would just be here in our midst, wherever we might be, wherever we wherever we are listening to this message, Lord, that you would be there with us, Lord, and that your Holy Spirit would continue to speak to us, Lord God, as we listen to your message today. I pray for all of those that are in leadership positions around the nation, Lord God, and ask that you would guide them, Lord, guide their thoughts, guide their actions and the decisions that they that they are making and moving this country forward, Lord God, and that this country would get moved in the direction that you would want it to be moved, Lord, so that you become glorified and, and honored, Lord. We praise you. We love you, Lord. We thank you, Lord God, for all your wonderful blessings that you have given us. We thank you for everything that we take take so for granted, Lord God, and we lift up everyone, Lord God, everyone that may be suffering from coronavirus, Lord God. And we ask that a supernatural healing would overtake them, Lord, and let it flow from the top of their heads to their soles of their feet to get rid of this that coronavirus that's in them, Lord. Or pray for anyone that's infected with this virus, that they would have a full and speedy recovery, Lord God, and that you would be glorified through their recovery and that you will be glorified through their healing, Lord, because we know that you are much bigger than this coronavirus, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we rebuke this coronavirus, Lord, and ask that you would just sweep through this entire planet, Lord, and just get rid of this virus, Lord God, because, again, we know that you are stronger than this virus and that there is nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing that is impossible for you. We praise you, we love you, and we magnify your name. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen and amen. Well, praise God. Let's uh, jump into scripture right away here to talk about uh, some things that, you know, as, as children of God, we, you know, we have to be mindful of and that we're not uh, that, we're, that we're not immune from, um, if you will. And I'm not talking about sickness or anything like that, um, but a couple of things that we need to really make sure that we're, we're paying attention to as, as children of God. So let's jump right into the word here. Uh, if you don't have your Bible, take a moment and pause this and you know grab your Bible you know, whether you've got a physical Bible that you need to run and grab or if you have an app on your phone, take a moment and, and open that up so you can see the scripture uh, that we're going to refer to today. I also encourage you, you know, as you're following along with these podcasts, you know, take some notes, highlight, underline all of those things so that when you go back to read these scriptures at a later date, that you can see uh, some of the important key messages that uh, that God is trying to tell us. So jumping right into scripture here. Proverbs chapter 12, uh, verse 17. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 17. And actually, let's go ahead and um, let's back up to verse 15. So Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15. 
The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. A fool's wrath is known at once, but a prudent man covers shame. He who speaks truth declares righteousness, but a false witness deceit. There is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. The truthful lip shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is for a moment. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but counselors of peace have joy. Underline verse 20. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but counselors of peace have joy. Last week in a message, I talked about commitment and how it takes commitment to follow God, especially when things are most challenging, because it's easy to follow God when things are going well, when we're getting all the blessings, when everything is going the way that we expect it to go and the way that we want it to go. But it's much harder to do those things when it looks like things aren't going to turn out the way that we think that they should or that we want them to. But understand that just because we are committed to God doesn't mean that we can't open the door for deceit to come into our lives or or open the door for us to be deceived by someone else or by a situation. For anyone that's listened to these podcasts or has, has even maybe attended a, a, a messages in the past, um, one of the things that I always laugh about is, is when a uh, pastor makes an example of uh, making a purchase without praying about it first. And I can relate to that because I have done that on on many occasions and I've been with the Lord for a long time. And it doesn't mean that I'm I'm not prone to making mistakes because I'm a human being after all. And so I do make mistakes. And I always laugh when I hear that because I I have been there. You know, I purchased something and I did all the checked all the boxes, if you will, you know, check the bank account, make sure there's enough money in there, make sure all the bills are paid. Uh, make sure that we have money set aside for things that we are planning to do coming up, you know, whether it's vacation or gifts, birthday parties or whatever it might be. Check all of that and say, yep, OK, we're good. Everything's been paid for. We got some extra money. And then I go and I look and I say, oh, man, this awesome thing that I want to buy. It's on sale. I've never seen it at this price, never seen it this low before. And go ahead and I make that purchase just for that thing to give me the biggest headaches that I've ever had. The joy that I was feeling when I made the purchase and when I saw I looked at the bank accounts, did all the checks and see that I checked all the check boxes. The joy that I felt about this thing coming was quickly gone because it started giving me some issues. And while I may have checked all the boxes, there was a very important box that I didn't check, which means I didn't check all the boxes. And that box was, did I pray about it? Did I take it to God to find out? Because just because we're doing things right in the eyes of God doesn't mean that the devil is not going to make an attempt at trying to deceive us. The trick is to keep our eyes open so we know when he's trying to deceive us. Okay, that's the trick. So just because we might have this uh, um unquestioned commitment towards God and we're doing all the things right and we're checking all the boxes, if you will, in terms of our Christian walk does not mean somehow that the devil is not going to try to deceive us. And that's what we're going to focus on today is ensuring that we are not deceived. There are many areas of our lives that deception can happen. 
And I'm not going to cover all of those areas because we would be here, you know, probably for several days, <laughs> you know, maybe maybe weeks to go into those into all of those. So we're going to talk about just some key things that Holy Spirit put on put on my heart of areas that we can be deceived. One of those areas that we can be be deceived in is when it comes down to hearing sound doctrine. Turn to uh, Titus chapter two. Titus chapter two. And we're going to go to verse number one. Titus chapter two, verse one. But as you speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, but as for you, excuse me, but as for you, speak the things which are uh, which are proper for sound doctrine, that the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. The older women, likewise, that they may be that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. That they admonish young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Now, I'm going to pause there for a second, though, because that obedience to their own husbands. All right. Um, the, 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 there is a misconception that that somehow. Um, uh, that men are supposed to be ruling over over their wives like dictators and stuff like that. And that's not the case. OK, this obedience to to, to husbands is, is talking about that godly obedience. And because um, the husband is 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 the head of the household, but is leading this household with love the way God expects expects us to do that. The same way that Jesus is the head of the church, but he leads the head of the church. He leads as the head of the church uh, with, with with love and respect. So this is is not saying that, that 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 husbands you should be ruling over your wives like you're some sort of king and and, and, the, and that your wife is a servant or, or 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 anything like that. We are expected to love our wives um, as men. We are expected to love our wives the same way uh, Jesus loves the church. Okay, and so this is not so this is not that. So I, so it, it's important that 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 for the men that see this. That they are not thinking that this is somehow, well, the Bible says you're supposed to be submissive to me. And no, that's not what this is talking about. And this is not for women to go there and just think that you can let that, that, that the man is supposed to be stepping all over you and everything like that. No, it's supposed to be God's love should be, uh, with, within the marriage there. Okay. Uh, verse, uh, where were you? Verse, verse six. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober minded. In all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent, may, uh, who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. Exhort, the, uh, exhort bond servants to be obedient to their own masters, to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back, not pilfering, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of uh, of God, our savior in all things. OK, now there's a lot. There's a, there's a lot there. OK. And if you depending on the type of Bible you have, if your Bible has you know any kind of headings over its chapters, you might see uh, for this particular chapter uh, qualities of a sound church or something to that effect. All right. Understand something that as saints of God, okay, what this is talking about here 
is not just restricted to something that should be taking place in the church. We, as the body of Christ, are the church, which means that everything that's being talked about here in these scriptures, we should be doing as well. We should be demonstrating faith and love and patience and reverence. OK, we should be uh, um, exper- uh, showing um, how, how, how we're following God. We should be the ones that should be setting that example for those around us of, of what it likes on what it means um, to be to, to be a follower of Christ. Too many times we get deceived in thinking that it's the church's responsibility to raise people to be God fearing Christians. We have that responsibility as the children of Christ, as God's children. When we become saved, we make that determination. We've made that determination that we are going to follow God and we're going to follow the example that Jesus Christ has set for us, that we're going to read the word of God and learn more about God and develop that deep walk with him so that we can be the examples to the unbeliever about what it means to be to be to be a child of God. And even to other believers that are just starting out in their walk with God. All right. So this is not something that is just is just set aside for for something that needs to be done in a church. If you have kids, it is not the responsibility of the church to raise your children to be God fearing kids and to grow up and be God fearing adults. And too many times what I have seen is, 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 you know, back when, when, when we were, uh, when we, when we were all able, at least here, um, in, in, in Oregon, that, you know, there's restrictions on holding in-person gatherings, um, and everything. Um, but, but, but too often times what I have seen is, is when, when church was, when people were meeting in physical churches without having to do the social distancing and take all these precautions, too many times what, what I, what I've seen is, is how the, the, the parents, Okay, and this is not all parents, but 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 parents would would expect like the Sunday school teacher to raise the child up to know about God. And then when they when the child goes home, it doesn't get solidified at home. Okay, we have to take on that responsibility. We can't be deceived into thinking that that our walk with God depends on somebody else teaching us how to walk with God. Because after all, the scripture does say that you know what's right, and, and I'm paraphrasing, but, but you, you know what's right and you know what's godly because of Holy Spirit that's in you. So while somebody may be teaching or preaching the word of God, they're not the ones that are raising you, if you will, to become a good, strong Christian. You have to take that information and you take that to Holy Spirit and you have to read the Bible for yourself and take your own responsibility and ownership in developing into being a good, powerful, strong Christian and doing things the way God wants you to do them. Okay. I know there's a saying out there that says, you know, it takes a it takes a village to raise a child. Okay, but the reason why we have to take this ownership as well. It's because you have no idea what other influences that child is going to come under as they continue to grow. The reason why we also have to, and if you don't have children, it's important for us to take that ownership as well. Because we know that as we interact with people in this world, we are not surrounded by godly things 24-7. Okay? We're not surrounded by godly things 24-7. And so we have to understand that 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 we that we can't allow ourselves to be deceived into thinking that it's someone else's responsibility 
to show us how to be good children, good children of God. Okay. Let's go uh, and turn to uh, Acts, Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. So we're talking about and showing that we're not being deceived uh, by uh, that area that we can be deceived in is sound is sound doctrine. Um, in other words, that the doctrine that is being put forth, whether this is in uh, a, a church setting or, or maybe something in school. OK, maybe something in school. All right. That that doctrine could come across as sounding good. But if we're not uh, engaged from a Holy Spirit perspective, as we hear that doctrine and we see what's going on, that we could allow ourselves to become deceived, that, 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 that something could be preached or something could be taught that is not in line with the word of God. And if we start listening to that and we're not using Holy Spirit, having Holy Spirit revelation, that we can then get pulled away from the actual sound doctrine, which is, which is the uncompromised word of God. Acts 13, uh, verse number one. Now, in the church, uh, now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent uh, they sent them away. So understand something, too, as we're, as we're looking at this here is that it's important that before we go on a journey that God is sending us on. That we pray, OK, that we pray that we cover ourselves in the blood of Jesus to ensure that. Uh, that, that we're protected to ask Holy Spirit for some from some guidance and direction as we start that journey. Jesus himself. Did not start his journey until he was infilled with the Holy Spirit, and it's through, throughout his journey. OK, throughout his task that he had to carry forward, there were many times in Scripture where it says Jesus went off to pray. Because he had to also pray and get that guidance from Holy Spirit as well, because even though he was the son of God, he was the son of God in man's form, which means that he was subject to all the things that we are subject to as human beings, which means that he, while, while again, while being the son of God and, and the Bible says that, that he was he was tempted, but he was found without sin, meaning that the temptations that we have going through through life. The deceit that 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 would be uh, um, uh, that would come before us, that would try to pull us away from the word of God. He was no different in the sense that he also experienced that. The difference between him and us is that being the son of God, he was perfect and he did not sin. So he did not slip up. He did not stumble. He was tempted three times by Satan in the desert when he was when he was at a weak point and he still didn't sin. OK, so it's important that when God calls us on a journey that we spend some time in prayer, we ask for Holy Spirit because he's the one that's going to be able to guide us along the journey. And that we need to pray for that guidance as the journey is taking place. So verse three again, then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Verse four. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went out. Uh, they went down to Seleucia. Uh, Seleucus, excuse me, and and from there they said to Cyprus, they sailed to Cyprus, and when they arrived in Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. They also had John as their assistant. 
Now, when they had gone through, gone through the island of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus. So what we see there in, in those previous scriptures there is uh, preaching that's starting to happen, starting to take place um, um, everywhere. Now they're coming up to to this sorcerer or and this false prophet um, to be able to do some preaching. Um, so uh, verse seven there, who was with pro council. Actually, let me go back to six. Now, when they had gone through the island of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar Jesus, who was with the pro council, Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. This man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. So this so this guy here that's part of this pro council, Sergius, is calling and asking to hear for, is calling for Barnabas and Saul because he knows that they're preaching the word of God and he wants to hear the word of God. OK, but now look, look at this. All right. Talk about the seat. But Elemas, the sorcerer, for so his name is translated, withstood them. Seeking to turn the pro council away from the faith. All right. So what you see there is here you've got this sorcerer and he knows that 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 um, uh, Sergius Paulus is wanting to hear word from God. And because this guy is mixed up in 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 in, in witchcraft is, is by being a sorcerer, he knows that the word of God is coming. And now he's trying to keep the council away from hearing the word of God. OK. Now, how does this how does this work? I'm not going to spend too much time in, in getting into um, um, familiar spirits, um, but we see people that, that on TV that talk about, you know, um, yeah, call me up on this phone number, et cetera, like that. And and, and I'm going to tell you tell you about your future and, and, and I'm going to tell you things that you didn't think that I know of. Or maybe you've seen them on talk shows where somebody get up there and they'll start telling them about something that happened to them when they were two years old. Or, or that that only that person and one other person knows that. Oh my gosh, that's amazing! How did they do that? Well, those, those are familiar spirits, and, and what we what we oftentimes don't 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 uh, remember is that the spirit world has been around since the beginning. Okay, God always existed. God created angels first. Then there was the battle in heaven when Lucifer tried to overthrow God. He was kicked out and turned to Satan and took a third of the angels with him. So now you've got the demons. They were cast to the earth. Right. So they weren't banished to the pit. They were cast to the earth. God created mankind. Satan then in the form of a serpent deceived Eve, who then deceived her husband and then mankind was thrust into sin. So we so over the many, 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 many years of existence, these spirits have always been around. And they've been observing and they've been watching and they see how we operate as, as human beings. And so therefore they see things that have happened in our lives, things that we don't even remember. And so this 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 sorcerer here, uh, um, uh, Elemis here. All right. He's or Elimus. He, he's over there dabbling in this kind of stuff. All right. And so now these spirits are telling him, hey, now. You know, there's there's this word of God that's coming. And so you need to get the counsel away from them. All right. These these spirits are advising him, if you will, to try to come up with a plan to keep the council away from hearing the word of God. All right. Let's read. Let's read uh, verse, verse eight again. But Elemis, the sorcerer, for so his name is translated, withstood them seeking to turn the pro council away from the faith. So he's trying to get them away from God's word. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, 
filled with the Holy Spirit, underline that, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, oh, full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Earlier I was talking about making sure that before we go on journeys to, to, to pray about it and ask God to be with us and ask Holy Spirit for guidance and asking him for guidance as we go through the journey. And we see where Paul and Barnabas had, had done that. And because of that, what we see is Paul or Saul, who is also called Paul, since he was had the Holy Spirit in him, he was able to recognize what Elemis was trying to do. He was able to recognize that here this guy is trying to keep the word of God from coming forward. And so he looked intently at him and the Holy Spirit in him made it aware, made him aware of what the plot was that was going on that he probably wouldn't have known without absent without Holy Spirit. And because of that, now he was able to come against these forces of darkness that were guiding that that were guiding elements and he went to elements directly and because of that he lost his sight for a while for a time being okay being filled with the holy spirit will help us to identify any potential deceit that is being aimed at us okay so there was deception that was going on here in this case here with the pro council to try to keep them away from hearing the words that Saul and Barnabas were bringing forward that were coming from God. And he, as you can see, even through this deceit and through uh, um, um, being obedient to Holy Spirit and then addressing the issue as God told him to address it, what ended up happening? Well, look at verse 12. Then the pro council believed when they saw what had been done being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. So what you see there is you see God also gets glorified in it. When we can recognize deceitful ways and, 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 and use Holy Spirit guidance to be able to come against those plans, God ends up getting the glory. Because while this year this, there was a plan to keep the council from not hearing the word of God, not only did they hear it, but they actually saw they actually saw God in action. They actually saw Holy Spirit in action. So it wasn't it wasn't Saul and Barnabas just coming out and preaching a word and telling them something about God and or, or, or teaching them something. It was it was then Saul coming in there and saying, wait a second, you've got all this deceit. When are you going to stop? So now understand that since you won't stop, God is going to blind you for a season and you're not going to see the sun. And then immediately it happened. So he actually was able to bring forth, if you will, a, a, a message from God in a way that we typically may not and typically how they would get it. So in other words, instead of him again preaching a message and coming forth with some words, there was some action that actually took place in front of the eyes of the pro council and they saw it. Okay? And they were amazed at it. All right? And so now they got to learn a little bit something deeper about about God as well. How does this play out in our regular lives? Well, oftentimes we go to church whether it's online or whether you have the ability to go physically 
and we hear a word that's you know preached in a in a in a, um, uh, in a sermon sermon format. But sometimes we don't get to the deeper understanding of what's being preached because we could be sitting in that pew deceitfully thinking that this message is not for me. This message is for someone else. Or I know all of this already. I've heard this before, so I'm just going to go ahead, go ahead and tune out until the pastor brings forth something that I haven't heard before or that I don't know about. You see, we, we get deceived because we think that just because I heard it before, that is going that somehow it doesn't have uh, either a meaning uh, um, the, that it doesn't have a new meaning for you, because after all, the, the, the word of God is a living word. So each scripture has. Um, I won't say multiple meanings, but each scripture has a has like a surface level meaning. And then as you start walking with God and you start meditating on those scriptures more, it gets deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And then it starts to connect to other verses and then it connects to current events and then it connects to things in your life. Then it connects to something that's happened in the family member's life. Sometimes we go into church thinking that just because we've been walking with the Lord for so long that when I hear this word from the preacher, that it doesn't have a deeper meaning because I've heard it before. Well, maybe you did hear it before and maybe there was no new revelation at that time. But it could also very well be that the reason why you're hearing it again is because God is trying to get your attention about something because he needs you to take that information and take action on it or on something that you haven't taken action on yet. There have been times, certainly, when I've sat in messages and I've heard something like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, 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 I remember that. I remember that. And then, bang, all of a sudden, something pops up in my head. Holy Spirit's telling me something. Mm hmm. This is for you. And I'm like, ooh, I need to write that down. Even though I've heard it before, even though I understand the meaning, some, for some reason now, it's got, a, it's, got a, it's got more of a, it's calling to me a little bit more. It's, it's resonating a little bit more now than what, it, than what it did the last time that I heard it. Okay? So we can't make we got to make sure that when we're going into church services, that we're not all puffed up in ourselves just because we may have been walking with the Lord for a long time or we've been studying the word of God for a long time. We can't be puffed up in ourselves and allow ourselves to be deceived to think that just because we heard this already. That somehow it doesn't have application to my to my life and to certain situations that I'm going on right now that are that are going on right now. So, again. Having the Holy Spirit, all right, with us will help us to ensure that we're not being deceived by any false doctrine. In addition to having Holy Spirit, we also need to make sure, all right, we need to make sure that we know the word of God to ensure that we're not being deceived. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. So we need the Holy Spirit to help us not become deceived. We also need to make sure we understand the word of God as well. Second Timothy, chapter two, we're going to verse 14. Remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent or study to present yourself or prove to God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. 
but shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. And their message will spread like cancer. Hymenius and Philetus are of this sort, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past, and they overthrow the faith of some. Underline, that is a lot. Underline that overthrow the faith of some in verse 18. And also underline all the verses 14 through 16, because there's a, there, there's, there's a lot there. Okay. Um, first and foremost, right? You see there, verse 15, be diligent to present yourself approved to God. In other words, what this is saying is we need to be able to study the word of God. Okay. Studying the word of God, having Holy Spirit, those two things go hand in hand to be able to get the revelation that the, that God is trying to give us in the Bible about how he operates and how and why things happen the way that they do and to be careful about what's actually what's actually happening. There's a difference between reading the word of God and studying. Reading, when anytime you read something, you're reading it to gain knowledge, knowledge, right? Reading it maybe for entertainment purposes. Studying is different because while you are gaining knowledge, you are taking in that knowledge because you know that something is going to come in which you need this knowledge to be able to get out of whatever that situation is going to be that 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 might be coming up. OK, when you're in, when you if you think back to when you were in school. When you were in school, when you were studying a textbook, it was because you knew that at some point in time, whether the teacher told you or not, you were going to be faced with taking a test in the classroom. And when you took that test, how you did on that test had major impacts for what was going to happen next. If you failed that test, you run the risk of failing the class. If you pass the test, you have a good chance of passing the class. And so you study on trying to 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 gain the knowledge in a different way. It's not reading it to be able to say, yes, I'm aware of this information, but I'm now reading it because this information is going to show up in something in my life. And I need to know it because it might be on the test. So when we're studying the word of God, we're studying the word of God, not to just simply say, oh, yeah, I know that scripture's in there. But with, but but to be able to study it in a way to know that at some point. I'm going to need this scripture. At some point, I'm going to have to use this scripture to combat the devil. The same way Jesus did in the in the desert there when he hit Satan with scripture three times. At some point in my life, I'm going to need this scripture to help me get through something. Or I'm going to need this scripture to help somebody else get through something. Or I'm going to need this scripture to remind me of who God is and to remind me that he is always there and that he's never going to leave me. That's the, that's studying the word of God. Okay. That's studying the word of God. One thing that I always recommend is anytime, and I, and I said at the beginning of this podcast, you know, highlight underlying things as they as they stick out to you. All right. Take notes in your margin. I always recommend doing that because in the moment, right, it might make sense. But if you have to refer back to that scripture at a later date. 
Maybe you forgot what was going on at the time when you first heard that scripture. So by having some notes there, you can go back to that. And every single time you read that scripture, you can see your notes and then it can become more real. And then it starts to sink in, sink in a little bit more. Okay, it starts to sink in a little bit more. The way we study the Bible is we ask first, we should be asking Holy Spirit first to give us revelation into his words as we seek him. Okay, as we seek out God, one of the things that I always pray every single time is, 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 dear Heavenly Father, let your Holy Spirit give me revelation into what I'm getting ready to read as I continue to seek more about you. Just something simple as that, because I want to make sure that I'm in a place where, where I'm reading it with my spiritual eyes and that I have my spiritual ears on so I can listen as Holy Spirit starts to reveal it to me. I want to get rid of. My, my 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 human thought process. I want to get rid of how my brain would, would would process this from a human perspective. And I want to be able to process it from Holy Spirit's perspective. Okay? So that's something if that's if, if that that's something that I highly encourage anyone that's getting ready to crack the Bible open to to to, to do that. All right. You can also then take notes about what, you, what, what are you feeling? How is it resonating with you there? Again, there's plenty of times when I'm sitting in a service. And pastor will say something and, and, it, and it triggers a thought in my mind or it triggers a question. And what I'll do is I'll go ahead and capture that note and capture that as a question. I keep a journal with me. All right. I have another my journal's electronic. And, and it's what's nice about the, the, the phone and tablet I have. Um, and nowadays, I think just about all phones and tablets have this ability to where whatever you're working on one device, you can also work on it on another device. So I can be anywhere. I can be in a supermarket. And Holy Spirit will say something to me that I'm like, ooh, I need to talk to him about that later. Okay, I need to talk. When I go see him tonight, I need to go talk to him about that. So I can just pull out my phone and capture that note right there in my journal. Here's my question. Just a couple of weeks ago, sitting in a service, all right, uh, pastor, said, pastor said something, and it triggered a question that I needed to ask Holy Spirit about. It actually triggered two questions. And I sat there and I captured, quickly ca- captured that note, and that evening, I brought it before the Lord. The very next day, I got my answer that I was looking for, okay, to those questions, all right? That's studying the word of God, all right? Um, verse 15, again, be diligent to present yourself or prove to, to, to God, all right? Studying the word of God, to read this is the same being um, to show yourself approved to God, is because when you show God that you are trying to learn about him and that you're studying and that you're, you're really chewing on the scripture and you're meditating on it, like the Bible says, meditating day and night. And you're really meditating on it, trying to figure out what does this mean and you're wrestling with it. This is showing God that you are willing to put forth the effort needed to develop a deep relationship with him. Okay, that's showing yourself approved to God. Continue on in verse 15, a worker who does not need to be ashamed. So we should not be ashamed all right, we should not be ashamed for studying the word of God and for following God, rightly dividing the word of truth. What this means is, because I've heard people quote the scripture a lot and not necessarily really talk about, well, what does rightly dividing the word of truth mean? Rightly dividing the word of truth simply means that I can, I can look at this portion of the Bible and I can pull that section out. Pull out those scriptures and I can go to this part of the Bible and pull out those scriptures and put those together because there's a connection. Okay? Because there's a connection. And it's that Holy, and it's Holy Spirit that makes that connection. 
All right. And some of you may you, you probably experienced this in your life. If you've been with the Lord for a while, you would, what you can probably remember is when you first started reading the word of God. Right. You, you read some scriptures. like, Oh, yeah, this has a meaning, has a deep meaning. But the more and more you start to walk with him, you start to see connections to other scriptures. And on the surface, when you were a baby Christian, on the surface, you didn't see that connection because you're like, well, how could that actually be connected? But as you were showing your, 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 your when you, as you were showing yourself approved to God, God started to reveal things through his Holy Spirit that, yeah, you turn back to this scripture over here, this chapter, this book. See the connection there? Oh, man, this is why, again, the word of God is considered a living word, because as you study it and you start pulling out these different scriptures, that that's how you 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 rightly divide it. Wrongly dividing it, okay, would be taking a scripture and pulling that out and using that to say this is what the word of God means. Okay, this is what the word of God means. All right. Without understanding that, wait a minute, what did the scriptures before that and after that say? Or what did the scriptures in another book actually say? Okay. And a good one, as I was talking about earlier, about husbands and wives and how husbands are supposed to love their wives as Christ loves the church. Well, that's uh, that's directly out of scripture. And the scripture that a lot of times men forget or that they focus on is wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. So unrightly dividing the word of God would be to take that scripture out and say, wife, you need to listen to everything that I say, because the word of God says that you are to submit to me. But they miss the rest of the scripture that talks about husbands. Love your wives as Christ loves the church. Okay, that's the difference between rightly dividing and wrong and wrongfully dividing, if you will. Okay. So we see so far we talked about. Um, sound doctrine as a way of being uh, of being deceived if we don't have the sound the sound doctrine all right also if we are um, not putting ourselves in a position to where we can truly hear from God and we're allowing ourselves to be puffed up when we walk into uh, a church service and think that oh I heard this scripture before um, it has no new meaning to me I'm going to listen later on that's a way that we can be deceived as well all right. And holy having Holy Spirit will help us to keep to keep us from being deceived um, and studying the word of God with the Holy Spirit will, will also help us to, to not be deceived. Giving. Is a big area. That, that we oftentimes get deceived in. Go to Second Corinthians, chapter nine. Second Corinthians, chapter nine, as we're going to look at giving as a way of being deceived. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse six. But this I say. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Underline all of that if you don't have it underlined already. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Underline that. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, always having all, uh, all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. 
Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality. Which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Okay, verse six there again. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Okay, now. In the fall time of the year, this is the time to make some connections to, you know, maybe some <laughs> some some yard work or yard maintenance that you, you may or may not be doing. Uh, this is the time of the year, typically, when it's best to plant grass seed. All right, so if you've got some ball spots on the lawn that you want to fill in, this is the kind of that time to, to, to put some grass seed down and put some soil down so that you can uh, um, uh, get away from the summer heat. As the grass grows, because the you know the heat heat causes some issues with the grass and everything like that. All right, and so when this is talking about sowing sparingly, sparingly, all right, if I take that grass seed and I just put down a few pieces of it, it's not going to turn into a whole lot of grass. And if I put that seed down and then barely water it, it's not going to blossom and 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 get a solid foundation in the in the roots. In the, in the soil to develop some good roots and develop some good healthy grass. Because when you put the seed down, what ends up happening is, all right, and if you ever watch this, all right, I've, I've, I've seen it when I've put down grass seed. When you go back inside the house, what happens to that grass seed? It starts to get eaten up by birds. So birds start to come down. So you have to put enough grass seed down to, to, to take in consideration that there's some birds that are going to come down and they're going to eat this seed. They're going to come through and pick through it and everything like that and eat it. You have to also water it enough to ensure that it can actually get deep within the root and then blossom into actual into actually uh, some, some 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 good grass. So when it comes down to giving, if I'm going to give sparingly. I am going to also receive sparingly. All right. If I give sparingly, I am also going to receive sparingly so if 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 i decide that i'm not going to give time to someone that is struggling i'm not going to listen to them even though god put them in my path and i'm not going to listen to their struggles and i'm not going to to spend a lot of time trying to counsel them or trying to help them then that means that the benefit that or the rewards that come back to me, if you will, the blessings that come back to me aren't going to be bountiful. They're going to be sparingly. Just like we, we, we've all heard that term. You get out what you put in. Right. We've all heard that. So if I'm going to put out a lot, then I am going to gain a lot. All right. If I'm going to also um, let, let me backtrack a little bit there. Um, the other thing we have to think about is. What I am giving and what I am sowing, all right, and, and going back to the example of planting down grass, putting some grass seed down, that grass will grow as long as it's planted into some good fertile soil. You have to have some good soil in there for that grass to be able to grow because it's not just going that seed is not going to take root just on some any on some soil that 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 isn't um, uh, isn't conditioned for good growth. And so when even when I am sowing into something, all right, 
I need to make sure that I understand what I'm sowing into to understand that make sure that I'm sowing into some fertile soil. Um, one of the things that I, I like to do is anytime I'm donating um, donating something, whether it's some clothes I don't I don't need anymore or, or, or some other items, as I'm always looking at what organization am I donating to and what are they what are they about? What are their beliefs? What do they stand for? OK, because I want to make sure that I am giving up this thing of these things that I no longer need. I want to give it to an organization that's going to take that and then share that with someone else that's also in need. So that so we need to make sure that we're also sowing into fertile in the fertile ground. Jesus didn't just sow himself into everybody. OK. Jesus pulled certain disciples to share certain things about him, some deeper things with him uh, about him with the expectation that they also go out and do the same thing, that they also spread the word of God. He had to have the right people around him that he can teach about who he was so that when he went back to go be with the father, that they can take his work and carry it on. Okay. So giving and sowing is important and we need to be able to give ourselves and we need to be able to do it cheerfully. In verse seven, there at the end, it says God loves a cheerful. Gift. Actually, let's read all of verse seven. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. In other words, giving isn't something that we should be looking at and saying, well, I am doing this because I have to do it or because I'm supposed to do it. OK, God said the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. So since he said that, I'm going to go ahead and give and give. All right. We give because when we decided to to to, to follow God, it changed how we looked at the world. When we became Christians, it changed how we deal with people. It changed how we how we view the world. It changed how we view different circumstances in our lives. And so because of that change, we choose to give. Or we should be choosing to give because we want to give, not because we feel like we need to give. OK. And so if we're if we're and so if we're if we're the way we become deceived with giving is to do it because they're because it's a necessity. That's how we become deceived. I have to give because God says that I should give and then God loves a cheerful giver. Well, if you're giving out of necessity, how much joy are you actually having in that giving? I give gifts on Christmas because, you know, I don't want people to look at me funny when I'm receiving gifts and, and, and I don't give. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and give just because I don't want anybody looking at me and talking about me. I give a tithe when the basket is collected around because I don't want somebody looking at me and judging me for not giving a tithe. So I'm just going to go ahead and put some money in there just so just to make everybody happy. That's deceitful giving or, or I should say deceitful giving. But that is us being deceived in what giving is 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 all about. Think about any time you receive something and the joy that it brought you. When you receive that thing. And so the next time you give. Think about the joy that you have that you're going to give to somebody else by giving to them. One of the things I love on Christmas, when we open up our gifts on Christmas, uh, before we go, before we go to our, go to our parents house. We when we open our gifts, we let the kids open their stuff first. 
And one of the things I love about doing that is so much fun to watch them unwrap those presents and get so excited about the things that they that they have. That brings me joy. Watching my wife open up the things that I got her. That brings me joy. Her watching her, her watching me open up the things that they got me. That brings her joy. Okay. And I love doing that. I love that giving. I love it when, 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 when I, I bring forth uh, a word, when I preach, preach a word and, and, and hear and, and see people take that and apply it to their lives and then get some benefit out of it. And the reason I love that is because, one, it tells me it's a reminder that I'm doing what God is calling me to do. But then, two, that person now is developing a deeper walk with God. Because now they can see, yeah, here's the things that the word of God is saying. And when you apply it, watch what happens to your life. Watch how it changes your life for the better. Even though you might not think it, watch. That's something that brings me joy. And then I know God is happy, too, because the Bible says it's not God's will for anyone to perish. So anytime somebody can get some deep knowledge of him or any knowledge of him and they can change their life and it can be- and it benefits that individual, he's happy, too. OK, now I mentioned giving. All right. I talked about. Giving in terms of a little bit in terms of giving your time to someone that that that, that might be needing your counsel. OK, and, and I think I'm going to stay on this a little bit longer. I'm feeling led to do so. Don't be so quick to dismiss somebody else's problem as their problem. OK, don't be so quick to do that, because it could be that God put you in their path and put their path in front of you. Because you're the only one that is going to tell them something that God is trying to tell them. Okay. Because God is is going to reach out, but we have to listen. And so it could be at the point where God is saying, you know what? I've tried talking to you and you're not listening. So I'm going to send this person over here to talk to you and bring forth the word to you that I was trying to bring forth. Okay. It could be that that individual has been getting some 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 horrible advice over their lives that they've been following. And it's just put them deeper and deeper into a hole and deeper and deeper into a bad state. And now they're just saying, you know what, I'm going to ask one more person about this and we'll see what kind of response they get. And it could be that God has got you there to counsel and to be a witness to them to help bring them to him. Okay. Holy Spirit is is calling to that individual and, and is pulling that individual, but they may not be listening. They may not know the Holy Spirit is calling them. And it could be that something that you said to them, something that you did for them, triggered something within them to actually listen and see that Holy Spirit is calling to them and they could turn their life around. Okay. So don't be so quick to put off somebody else's problem and say, you know what, that's your problem. I'm not going to deal with it. Be prayerful about it. Seek the Holy Spirit for some some guidance. But it could be because it could be very well that you are that individual's. I hate to say last hope, but it could be that for lack of a better term, you might be their last hope at salvation. Not that you can save them. Because you can't and you can't bring them salvation, but you might be able to bring them to a meeting with God in which they turn their life around. Okay. In terms of giving also, there's finances. There's deceit that takes place in giving with finances. So the last few scriptures here, we're going to turn to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. 
And we're going to go to verse 8. Because an area we oftentimes can get deceived in, or where deception can take place, is when it comes down to tithing. When it comes down to tithing. Malachi chapter 3 verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with the curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. I'm going to pause there for a second, okay? Tithes and offerings. Notice that it says, in tithes and offerings. All right? Meaning here that God expects us to give. Okay? The tithe is that 10% that is required of you, if you will, to give back to God. Offerings is going to be anything that's extra than that. So by this being in here, God is expecting us to not only pay our tithe, but also to give in other ways, to give an offering. Okay, that offering could be a financial offering. It could be a little bit more. It could be um, 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 donating your time uh, to, 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 a, to a cause. It could be uh, signing up to be on a committee within your church. Okay. So that the church ministry can grow and blossom and become and get closer and closer to to becoming what God has for envisioned for, for that particular church. How many of us go to church, listen to a message? Great. Thanks. See you later. Bye. How many of us are willing to spend some time extra after church fellowshipping with other believers? Seeking out how we can get involved in the ministry. That's another way to look at offering. It's not just financial. Okay. It's giving of time, giving of yourself, giving of your uh, energy is not the word I want to use, but, but, but giving your time and energy to, to something to, uh, to help a ministry or to do something that God wants you to do. All right. And I know that it's, it's, it's hard. Um, and I had, and I had some struggles. I was wrestling with this as I was, you know, talking with Holy Spirit because of the, the pandemic that we're in. And what Holy Spirit reminded me, though, actually, before I even go there, let's let's let, let's look at the rest of the scripture here, because this is the reason why Holy Spirit had me had me go here even during this time. OK. Uh, verse eight again, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what ways have we robbed you in tithes and offerings? You are cursed with a curse for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be enough room to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you um, for you are in the field, says the Lord, Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Those scriptures there. Verse 10 through 12 was the reason why Holy Spirit wanted me to talk about this. Okay. Because this this is something that is very personal for people, because when they're talking about finances, you're talking about your hard earned money. OK, and money is needed to be able to purchase goods, to be able to purchase services. You can't go to, to Subway and get a sandwich if you don't have money. All right. 
Now, maybe you got a coupon or something where you get a free sandwich or something like that. But at the end of the day, the only reason you got that coupon is because at some point you had to spend money on the sandwiches to build up your punch card. All right. And this is critical now because even in the time of a pandemic, when so many people have lost jobs, had to get laid off, might not have an income. All right. And are having a hard time with finances as it is. God put clear a put forth a very clear reminder of why we need to be faithful to him. In verse 10, again, bring all the tithes in the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be enough room, uh, not be room enough to receive it. We can't allow ourselves to be so wrapped up in hold on to, holding on to finances that we are that we are robbing God by not providing him his tithe and not by giving his offering. Because what he said is. I've got so much stuff that I can give you that you're not going to be able to even receive it. Your arms aren't big enough to 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 hold all the blessings I'm going to give you. You don't have enough storage space in your house or in your storage unit to be able to keep all the blessings that I have that I'm going to be giving to you. But I'm going to be giving them to you if and only if if you bring the meat to the storehouse, if and only if you start to tithe and you stop robbing me, then. Then I can pour out all of these blessings on you. But until then, if you continue to rob me, verse nine, you are cursed with a curse. Okay, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. So the way we get deceived with the tithe is either one, by not tithing at all or two, by not giving of the tithe. Now, you may think, well, you didn't you just say the same thing? No, I didn't say the same thing. There's a difference. Okay, not tithing means you're not giving God anything. Right. You're not giving him anything. So I'm not going to tithe. I'm not going to give you anything. Not actually providing enough tithe means that you're not doing the your part of doing the 10 percent. The word tithe means a tenth part. Which is 10 percent. And there are Christians out there that believe that the amount of money that they tithe has nothing to do with the percentage. Well, the tithe means 10 percent. That's what it means. So if you are giving anything other than less than 10 percent, if you are giving anything less than 10 percent, you are not tithing. The same way as if you give more than 10 percent, now you're getting into an offering. So that deception comes in when we look at our paychecks and we say my 10 percent of this is supposed to be. Which is, I like round numbers. We use a round number. So I get this check and it's a thousand dollars. 10 percent of that is a hundred. So but I'm not going to give 100. I'm only going to give 50 because I need that other 50 to go pay for a bill. What God is saying here. OK, what God is saying here is that give me that hundred. Don't give me 50. Give me 100 because the return on that investment is something that you can't even calculate. It's something that you can't even fathom. And look what he says further by tithing. 
Verse 11, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. So that means when the devil comes around, because the Bible says the devil walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. That means that God is going to rebuke the devil from from attacking your finances when you're worried about losing money or worried about not having the money to be able to support your family. God's going to rebuke that devourer. Because what God is saying to you is, you know what? You give to me, right? Give me that money that you're afraid of losing. I'm going to give you some back and I'm going to give you some other blessings as well. And that devourer, that old Satan, that devil, he's not going to touch the stuff that I'm going to give you. So give it to me first. All right. One of the things that I've always told um, anytime, you know, someone is talk to me about bills and everything like that as holy spirit leads i always ask the question you know are you are you giving your tithe okay and and, and some will say no you know what I, ha- I haven't done that and one of the things that i said was is is again on the holy spirit guidance is make the tithe your most important bill make the tithe your most important bill number one when you're doing your bills make the tithe the number one bill that you have Because God will give that back to you and God knows your needs. God knows what every single one of us needs. So God knows that if I'm supposed to give a hundred dollars in the tithe, but I have a bill that's fifty dollars that I need to pay. Not only is God going to give you that fifty dollars, but he's going to open up some other blessings for you that you couldn't even imagine. That washing machine you thought that you were going to have to replace. We'll start working. And it won't need to be replaced. That car that's giving you some trouble will be replaced. I can speak from experience about this. Okay, I remember having a car. And some of you know this. I had a, I had a car. The thing sounded like a doggone truck. Okay, I lived in the same apartment complex as my brother, and he can hear me coming coming a mile away. <laughs> okay, it, you know, I mean, that's how loud this thing was, and it wasn't supposed to be that loud. All right. But my wife and I, we were always faithful to tithing, always faithful to tithing. All right. We'd take the thing in to get some repair work done. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I got to spend more money on repairs. And oh, my gosh. And this is not going to fix it. Or and it, and it comes back and they say, well, we're still not quite sure what's wrong with it. Still gave the tithe. Still, 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 regardless of what that bill was going to be. I made sure that my tithe came first and everything else was secondary to that. That car lasted us exactly a year. And I remember the day. I remember the day. When I looked online to find another vehicle and I found one. And I called the salesman and he told me, he said, that car is listed two thousand dollars under Kelly Blue Book. I don't know why. I remember praying because we were praying hard for a new car and we were still faithful to giving our tithe. Okay, so we're still faithful in giving money. Now, in that situation, what happened is the blessing that God gave us was a new car. That same day, I tested over the car and ended up buying it. We picked it up a few days later, that same day. Okay, now I say all that to say is that that was a blessing that wasn't necessarily financially uh, was not given back to me financially. So it, I was giving my tithe. All right. I kept giving my tithe. All right. 
And it wasn't like God all of a sudden poured out a bucket of money on us. But what he did was he looked and he said, you know what you need? You need a reliable car. You've got a newborn baby. You need reliable transportation. You need something that's not going to break down. You need something that's not going to stress you out. You need something that's going to do what you tell it to do. Every time you start, you turn the ignition that the car is going to start. When you hit the gas pedal, the car is going to go and it's not going to stop. When you need to get up a hill, the car will make it up the hill and not get stuck at the bottom. You won't have to, you need something where you don't have to park at the bottom of the hill and walk all the way up with that heavy car seat with that, with the, with the, with, the, with your baby in it. You need something where you can say, if I need to get to the top of the hill, I'm going to push the gas pedal. The car is going to get me to the top of the hill and I'm going to park at the top of the hill because that's where I need to go. What God said was he looked and he said, I see that devourer out there and he's attacking that vehicle of yours and I'm going to rebuke him by giving you a brand new vehicle that he can't touch. Okay. That's how these blessings work. And by the way, I'm going to give you the finances you need to afford that vehicle. And not only that, but that vehicle that I gave you I set it at that price because I set that vehicle aside for you. That's yours. That's why it's priced so low is because I gave it to you. I set it aside for you because I can see you. I see that you are faithful to me. I see that you are following my commands. And because of that, I set aside something special for you. Okay. That's what this tithe thing is all about. That's what this tithe thing is all about. Do not allow yourself to be deceived by not giving of your tithe. Do not allow yourself to be deceived by not giving of your time to study the word of God, by not giving your time to find out how can I become more involved in the ministry or by not giving your time to help someone that's in need. Okay? Don't allow yourself to be deceived by listening to false prophets that are out there to false teachings, to false interpretations of the word of God. Okay. Because again, like I said earlier, just because you may have been walking with the Lord for a very long time does not mean that Satan is not going to try to deceive you. So what we all need to make sure that we do is that we are reading God's word and we're studying it. We're asking for Holy Spirit revelation. We're giving of our tithes and our offerings. We're giving our time to help the needy, to, to pray for, to pray for those that, those that need it. Okay. Especially in this day and age, especially with this pandemic, especially with all the hate that I, that I see out there in the world and this lack of forgiveness of, of people. The, the, the inability to, to wish someone well because they think differently and operate differently than you do. Because doing those things, not forgiving someone, that is also going to open up the door for the enemy to get in there. Okay. And when the enemy gets in there, he loves to deceive. We were thrust into mankind. Mankind was thrust into sin. Excuse me. We were thrust into sin as mankind because the enemy deceived Adam and Eve or deceived Eve and then Eve deceived Adam. Lucifer was kicked out of heaven. Because he deceives the angels into thinking that he can rise above God. And he's not going to stop today. Praise God. I pray that this message was a, was a blessing to you. And as we close, dear Heavenly Father, 
I just want to thank you for your words today, Lord. And I just want to lift up every single person that has heard these words and ask, Lord, that you would place a hedge of protection around each and every single one of them. That you would open all of our eyes, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would speak to each and every single one of us to be able to see the deception that is out there that's around us, Lord God, so that we don't become deceived, Lord. I ask, Lord, that you would speak to every single one of us and reveal to us anything that's in our lives that might be pulling us away from your word. Anything that that would be pulling us away from you, Lord, so that we can get rid of it, so that we can have our eyes open and so that we can have our our ears open to the things that are happening. I pray, Lord, for a hedge of protection around all your sons and daughters, Lord, and ask that you would continue to keep us safe, Lord. I ask that you would continue to guide us in all things, Lord God, and that you would continue to just speak to us, that you would help us to listen to the things that you are trying to tell us, and that you would help us to see the things that you are trying to show us, and that we don't become distracted by this fast-paced world that we live in, Lord, that we can have a laser focus on you, Lord God. I also pray, continue to pray for our firefighters that are still dealing with these wildfires, Lord God, and ask that you would place a hedge of protection around them to keep them safe. Give them the guidance and give them the strategy to be able to defeat these wildfires, Lord God. And I want to continue to pray again, Lord, and just thank you in advance for getting rid of this coronavirus lord we know that it's still with us lord god and we're just sitting by and waiting patiently for the defeat of this coronavirus to be made manifest in our world lord god but we know that you will do it and that you have done it we praise you we love you and we thank you for all your wonderful blessings both great and small in the mighty name of jesus i pray amen and amen and amen god bless